interrupt you while I do the intro, please. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Now Fear This with Becky and Marie, the podcast about all the things that scare the shit out of us and a few things that don't. Hello, Becky. How are you today? Hey. And what are you fearing? <laughs> Did I nail that or what? <laughs> you forgot to introduce you and me, but that's okay. Oh, let's start again. You then. were you were 80% right, and I, I, I salute that. Uh, hold on. Wait, how did I forget me? I said the podcast with Becky and Marie. You're supposed to say, I'm Marie, and oh, here's sorry. Becky. Okay, That's, our thing. That's our thing. I'm Marie, and this is Becky. Did you find your wine? That's really what I'm concerned about. Yes, and what are you drinking, Manhattan? Oh, no, look. A what? martini. Look at you. You are heavy on the olives. My goodness. It's a very dirty, it's it's a nasty martini. It's a filthy martini. So, um, okay. I was going to say, I like martinis because it's like a snack inside of the drink. I was a little hungry. That's why I made it. If you it. like olives. You don't like olives? I don't like story. anything. Continue. You don't like anything? <laughs> You're finicky. I have the diet tastes of like an eight-year-old boy. Seriously. I'm stuck there. And what are you fearing? Well, Podcast, today I am fearing people who have super secret lives. And not just like, you know, you dress up with your spouse and do whatever shit you want to do when you're swinging from the chandeliers having your ridiculous sex. I'm not talking about that. Are you revealing something to me right now? No. Oh, Lord. <laughs> we haven't known each other long enough for that. What are you kidding? We've only known each other like 30 years. I know. (laughs) (laughs) What is this going to be? When I'm 80, are you going to reveal to me that you and Curtis dress up in costumes and swing from the. Yeah, there's at least costumes. You wouldn't believe the costumes. So, um, but people who have a secret life that they keep completely secret from their spouse, and up to and including people who have another spouse or, or fiancés and. Obviously, Scott Peterson had that. We covered then, the story of the Dennis Ryder, serial killers. Yeah, I mean, the Golden State Killer, they found him in his like late 70s and he had grandchildren. There was a serial rapist out of Dallas in the 80s that was caught in the last few months. And he was just a dentist in Fort Worth and they did DNA tracked him, you know? Yeah. Imagine having lived with this person for so long that you think that you know and then you don't. So that's the thing that scares me. And there's a recent one of a cop in texas did you read that story i did but i want to stop you i think it's funny that right now you're worried about secret lives when most of us are just worried about having a life because coronavirus has completely right to not having a life at all i literally have no life. i know but this dipshit in texas managed to pull off a wife and two fiancés during corona you're kidding that's a lot of fucking hold on this was during corona because james and i were were talking about this this weekend because i knew we were going to talk about secret lives james was like I'll bet coronavirus is putting like a real damper on people's affairs. What are you going to say? But one of the things that he has done or one of the things that this police chief did was he would tell each other of the girls, girlfriend, wives, fiancés, that he was uh, going to a police training thing or something. So they always believed he was somewhere else, even during corona. You got to have a social career to do that, though, because I can't be like, I can't say to James, hey, I've got to go to a special COVID graphic designers convention <laughs> so that I can have an affair. Yeah, I don't think, I mean? yeah, I don't think he'd fall for that. Nah, we're doing a lot of, we're doing a lot of podcast uh, conventioning right now. I don't think he'd fall for that. No. Um, Why don't you walk us through 
this guy who's like capable of having multiple affairs during coronavirus first of all this guy apparently has a lot of energy because i can barely keep up with one husband so like how do you have every wife like needs you even just emotionally not just physically you know it's just a lot of fucking work is my point okay there's four people involved here there's a a wife and two fiancés now i'll just give you the kind of the highlights I'm going to tell it from the perspective of Cecily. And Cecily is somebody who met this guy, Jason, and he was married, but he said his marriage was over and it's getting it annulled. He proposed to her in November. So yeah, I mean, like he did all this during COVID. So then he creates a decree of annulment and proves it to her. And she updated her Facebook profile to the two of them together. And they're cute. So two days ago, the Stinnet or Stinnet, I don't even know. It's in the Texas panhandle. It's like the worst weather in the entire country. The Stinnett Police Department Facebook page that he runs posted about something, and this woman showed up in his comments. This is from Cecily. Chief Jason Collier worked his way into my life, the life of my children, and my family. Spent the last weekend with me on vacation in Taos this past weekend. Told me all weekend he can't wait to marry me. Turns out I'm not the only one. He also has a girlfriend in Kansas, who who doesn't, who he also asked to marry him. All of this, plus a wife at home he claims to have split with in 2016 and had the marriage annulled. He provided me with a picture of a falsified document, which I have verified with Potter County to be invalid. He even took me on shift with him last week as well. Ew. He wouldn't introduce me to the women in his office since according to him, they're bitches and one is mad. I won't date her sister. And then she just goes on with the details and the jig is up, Jason. And then she says he's living a double, triple life, blah, blah, blah. And then there's pictures of them when they're on this trip and his wife thought he was doing police training and things. So he has since been, of course, removed from his duties and arrested and charged with these kinds of, uh, I think it's like falsification of documents or something since he was pretending to have this official seal of state of Texas annulment thing that is, is, you can't falsify shit like that. Seems like a lot. It's a lot of work. Imagine spending every second of your day looking over your shoulder you know you've got to always think that you're going to get caught especially in online social media world it's not as easy as it was to even 10 15 you know however many years ago and i actually know somebody let me tell you this story this uh, person they were living in south texas and and she found siblings of hers from her father who were living in fort worth Mm -hmm. and she found them on facebook because they posted pictures of their dad and Somehow it all kind of came together. Yeah. And he'd been doing that the entire time of their marriage. So Christmas would come around and it was always work. It was always travel for work. He, you know, so every other Christmas he was around and stuff. This is so common. I actually know people who, um, their father has another family in another place. And that's why I say to people, if, when you get a DNA test, you better be prepared for that. Before I got a DNA test, I said, if I found out that my father had a, another family, it wouldn't surprise me because he was constantly traveling for work. My father died of a brain tumor, and it was actually from a classified government experiment called the Kanakin event. And the, the Clinton administration declassified all of the nuclear testing in the United States, and that's how my family found out about it. So my dad was on this Kanakin event where they basically just stood in this bunker and watched nuclear bombs go off. So this is- Was it out of Nevada? Uh, no, it's on the Aleutian Islands. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Because yeah. so, school children in Nevada in the 50s and 60s would go out and watch the, the bombs Right, explode. right. Yeah, then I've been to the, the museum there that talks about that. I would say something like five or six months before the, the first Gulf War, my dad 
was shipped to the Middle East. So that's just an interesting side note that they were building mm-hmm. up forces there. Um, my dad worked for Air Force One at one point. He could never explain his jobs to me. What did so he tell you? The last job he had, he was teaching electrical engineering safety for Texas A&M, and it required him to travel. But all throughout his life, he's he was in the National Guard, and, and that was one of the things, too, the National Guard. But again, why do you need a, I don't know, 50 something year old guy to go to the Middle East six mm-hmm. months before, who's in the National Guard to go to the Middle East before the first mm-hmm. Gulf War. So clearly I feel fairly confident that my dad was involved in some secret government shit. And he's the perfect guy to do it too, because he was very quiet. He read science fiction novels all the time. It didn't have much to say. I mean, he would yeah. never, he would never tell. He's perfect for being like a, a government. Your mom didn't even know? His wife didn't know? I don't think so. No, she just, whatever he said. It's like, I don't know if this is true or not, Becky. I'm just telling you, because we're talking about secret lives, that, I mean, the fact that he was at this nuclear testing experiment is bizarre to me, right? Like, yeah, his highest rank in the military was like staff sergeant. Why do you send a staff sergeant to nuclear training experiment in the Aleutian Islands. So if the Clinton presidency had not declassified the stuff, to this day, you would just think he was a electrical engineering person and he died of cancer. That's all you would know. Exactly. Yeah. That he bizarrely died uh, of cancer. Glioblastomas are not genetic for the most part, and they're very rare. Like brain tumors are very rare. And also, bizarrely, my dad was the health nut. Like he would make aloe vera green yeah. drinks. This is in Texas. He would do this like salutation to the sun yoga thing every morning. He was fit. So for him to die of cancer is bizarre to me. You know, like he didn't drink, yeah. he didn't smoke. So it was it was like a shock to all of us when he had a brain tumor. But anyway, I can't say for sure, but I feel like with all that traveling that there was some sort of secret life, even if it was government. Luckily, <laughs> I was prepared for it, but I don't have any, as far as I know, I don't have any rando siblings out there or anything. So at least that. So far. <laughs> so far, right. But at least, so that, at least that confirms that he was the person he purported to be. Okay, there's a difference for me between what your dad did, because if we were to understand correctly, he was doing something that was above board for the government. It wasn't cheating on your mother. It wasn't, you know, all that kind of stuff, like these marriages. And there's something that's got to be exhausting and at the same time seductive about that level of the deep secret, especially when it is not above board and it is not a job and it is not your assignment as a CIA operative or whatever, that you're getting away with shit. You know, there's just something there's got to be. And I read a little bit about this, that there's something that's attractive about it. Just there's that buzz, you know, that I'm getting away with something danger, danger, you know, um, you know what, I, I've never had an affair. And as far as I know, you haven't. And what we were just saying about like, sometimes you don't want to have sex, but imagine if, if you are fueled by that, like danger desire, you probably want to fuck like rabbits with your mistress, old fashioned word, but you know, you're one of your fiancés and you're probably so revved up. You go and fuck your wife too. Did you see that show, Nicole Kidman and, and Hugh Grant? The Undoing. So this, the scene when he comes in and they have kind of frantic sex. He just um, murdered yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. But he had just fucked and murdered. So maybe you don't ever have a bad, you know, sexual appetite day when you were just fucking everything in sight because it's always danger. Will Robinson, you know, there's another one. So I do feel I should clarify that no, I have never had an affair. Uh, just put that out on a Okay. <laughs> I really don't have any desire to have an affair. <laughs> Plus I work all the time. So I don't, I just don't know when I would fit it in. Like the only thing I have time to fit in is my personal training. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and meeting with you. I've added that to my list. Yeah. You can meet an LA cliche and start fucking your trainer, except your trainer's a woman and you're not gay. Well, damn it. Yeah, that's a problem. You could be a real cliche and start fucking your female trainer. Let, let's not go there. <laughs> I've already told my trainer not to listen to this podcast. No. I like that you're telling people not to listen. That's great. No, I'm sorry. No, she can listen. She can listen. I just feel uncomfortable with mentioning her as um, a sexual interest, which I think. <laughs> you didn't. I, I did. No, I think she would feel uncomfortable with that too. And so oh. I'm moving on from that one. Moving on. Um, yes, moving on. I work all the time. I do not have time for an affair, essentially, is what I'm trying to say. But it, it doesn't even have to be an affair, right? You could, your secret life could be other things. Like I was reading articles about people will tell everybody all the time they're on a diet, but meanwhile, they're going home and binge eating and purging. Or we did an episode a while back about people that are saying they were going to college, but they weren't. Oh, yes, exactly. Right, More right. Secret, so, secret lives can be a lot of things. I was trying to because we were doing this episode, I was like, is there anything secret that I do? And I was like, I have been busted a couple of times for this, which is sometimes if I think nobody's in the house and like, say I've taken a shower and I'm in front of the mirror, I will give speeches to the mirror like I'm the president. And one day <laughs> James came home early and I was giving one of my presidential speeches to the mirror. Aww. Yeah. And he was like, Marie, are you in there? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, nothing, nothing is just whatever but i was actually giving a presidential speech how funny yeah so that's one of my little secret live things so what are you addressing like specific economic policies or whatever's going on in the world i might pretend like i'm on a news program doing like a crossfire with somebody i I don't have to be the president i sometimes i can be a senator or a congressperson Or a pundit of some sort. And I just converse, you know, with my zingers and like get my point across. <laughs> or I do a little presidential debate. It's wow, I feel like I know you better than I ever have. Really? I, don't even, yeah. I mean, this is like such self-disclosure. We have a big full-length mirror too, so in the bedroom. So sometimes I can, you know, oh. do like gestures and really get into it. That's your secret life? That's my secret life. But anyway, you were talking about this cop in, in Texas. Yes, this dipshit in Texas who managed to pull off this wife and two fiancés thing. What was your plan? I mean, eventually you were going to have to marry one of them or, or like, was he going to kill his wife? Was he going to do a Chris Watts, you know? I just wonder to a certain extent what he's getting out of these multiple relationships. I mean, I read in the article you sent me, I read this text or something he posted about how wonderful his marriage was and how wonderful his relationship was. I think sometimes people protest too much and, and when their are not going well, there's a lot of that overly flowery stuff on social media. Now, I'm not saying that everybody who does that is lying about their marriage, but I do think there's a lot of it that is making up for what's really not there. I think there are some people 
that are in love with the first part of a relationship. I'm not saying that's the best part of a relationship, but it's certainly an exciting part of a relationship, right? Newness. And when you're in a relationship, there can be a point where I don't even know if it's like taking each other for granted. It's just like living life, right? Have you watched that show, Mrs. Maisel? I tried. I couldn't do it. I couldn't pass her stand-up routine at her own wedding. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Okay, I got to tell you, the first episode was terrible. I'll, I'll tell you what gets me. I know when I bring up a TV show or something that you're going to not like it. Like you're so picky. Your food and your movie tastes are so picky. Here's the thing about me. I'm going to mansplain myself to you. I will hate things that are the most high quality and I will love the dumbest shit like Dawson's Creek. You know, like I can't explain it. I can handle certain things and I can't handle others. I don't know. I, you, you like I, Dawson's Creek? We watched it relentlessly. And I mean, I mean, I Joshua have, Jackson, I still have a crush on him. Stop it. Let me ask you, do you have a DVD player? Somewhere. Um, would you like, would you like the box set of Dawson's Creek? Why do you have the box set of Dawson's Creek? <laughs> I'm not going to comment on that. Yeah. Not going to talk about my secret life with regards to Dawson's Creek. I'm just okay, going to say, if you want Dawson's a Creek. box set of Dawson's Creek, it will appear in Montana soon. <laughs> OMG. All right. Okay, well, tell me about Mrs. Maisel. It's gone, girl. I can't remember why you wanted me to, oh, no. Okay. No, it's gone. I, I get, I have this, it's like an anaphylactic reaction to your hatred of movies. <laughs> like, it's like, hey. You said it was terrible. Well, the first part of it was okay. terrible, and then it got better. Well, first I just couldn't get past her monologuing at her own wedding. I couldn't, and I was like, I'm going to give you a little Miss Maisel information here. Sometimes you have to have cringeworthy stuff. The problem is when it's the first episode, it scares people away. Sometimes you have to have cringeworthy stuff that makes you get perspective on the character in order to understand their fall and then their rise. And that's really what's going on in Miss Maisel. She's a fucking obnoxious, really, really narcissistic person. That routine she gave at her wedding was like a really obnoxious person. So you've seen that in movies before where, where you hate the main character. It's like uh, one year for Academy, I promoted um, three billboards and there was a controversy about the character played by Sam Rockwell. Like he shouldn't be nominated for an Academy Award because he's a plays a racist. What? Weird, right? <laughs> that was the, that was in all the news articles. Like, and I'm like, it's, I'm so confused. <laughs> you know, it's acting, right? He's right, not a racist. Right, right. It's acting. Yeah. This is like a weird, lot of weirdness going on. Oh, Hollywood. Yes. So we were talking about secret lives. Let's go back to that because actually Mrs. Maisel does have a secret life, but that wasn't the point I was going to make. So, all right, back to secret lives. You know, we expect that wealthy people live a double life. Like the, the really, really rich, like the Jeffrey Epstein's or the guy who owned the football team that was getting the rub and tug at the... Oh, the Patriots owner? yeah. Or Bill O'Reilly. I mean, are you really surprised that Sean Hannity and Bill O'Reilly were having affairs or, or sexually harassing people? No. So I don't know if you've, have you read anything about the stuff that's going on with Army Hammer? Yeah, but I haven't dived or dove into that other than to just know some of the highlights because that stuff feels really personal to me. Like it's not, 
criminal from what I understand. And I'm like, I don't really need to know some, it's like sex tapes getting really, I, I've never watched one person's involuntary sex tape. I, I just think that's, it's just not my business. So. Well, I have a special feature in my marriage, which is my husband gives me the Hollywood report at breakfast every morning. <laughs> so yeah. So he's been very interested in the army hammer thing and he was explaining it to me and what makes it fit into the secret lives thing is not only is he married but he was carrying on affairs with different women s&m affairs and he was making each of them feel like they were the only ones that were involved in this secret s&m sex life that he had and then somehow they connected on the internet and it turned out there were like a bunch of them and they started posting mm -hmm his messages to them but he but would why would they do that if it was voluntary why are you releasing this stuff yeah i That's don't know personal. it's private i don't know like i i think he was delving he was i think they felt slighted so in a way it's kind of like revenge porn maybe <laughs> maybe i don't know but my point <laughs> is it's not unusual for celebrities and wealthy people to be carrying on a life that's separate from what they project to the public. Ooh, Tiger Woods comes to mind. Tiger Woods, yeah. But what's disturbing, <clears throat> I think, is when you find out that regular people have secret lives, like your parents have secret lives, mm. or your friend that you thought you knew has a secret life, or your sibling has a secret. I think that's what's frightening to people because it, it knocks your equilibrium off. Like you don't know, well, who can I trust? One thing that's really disturbing to people is when you find out that preachers and priests and youth group leaders and stuff like that have secret weird sexual stuff going on. Yeah, if you are inclined to trust people just because they're a preacher or a priest, you would be shocked. Right. You know, like yeah. this guy, this guy, the police chief in the Texas panhandle, dipshit. I'm going to call him dipshit from now on. He is an ordained minister. It's shitty because the people who actually pursue being a minister or somebody who is a servant of a higher power and all that, who really pursue that in its most moral and powerful, positive way. And then they're sullied by these assholes who just get the title and then still, you know, rape children and shit. It's awful. It's awful. Yeah. So do you remember the Chilean miners collapse, the mine collapse from a few yeah, years back? I remember that. And there were what, like 30 something men who were in there? Mm -hmm. this one I remember being like an this aspect of it was interesting as an international story and this headline is from Daily Mail and the opening line of the thing is so clever Matias Sanchez says probably the bravest of all the 33 trapped miners was the one who asked for both his wife and his mistress to greet him on reaching the surface so what had happened was when it collapsed and all the loved ones went, this one dude's wife and girlfriend showed up and they didn't know about each other. And they, they had to be like physically separated because they got into such a huge fight. Okay, part of why I would never have an affair is I don't wanna have an affair, but a miniature part of why I would never have an affair is because I promise you I would get caught. And it would be something like this. I would be like trapped in a building and like the boyfriend and Curtis would show up. I'd have a flat tire and then like my GPS would show that I was at some hotel I shouldn't have been at. You know, like, I guess I don't understand how people who go through this stuff and get away with it for years, even decades, how do you never get caught and how many near misses do you have?
not the rapists and killers like Golden State Killer who was out prowling even though he was married. That's a weird bit. But but carrying on living with two different families and stuff. How does how do you pull that off? It does seem an anxiety inducing. <laughs> exactly. I'm very Okay, so the guy who is our minor who is who is when the thing collapsed, right? Here's my question to him. Well, how much of an oh shit moment was that? Right, and who do you, you hug? when you realize that's what I'm saying. He literally had both of them there. Yeah. And I'm like, if I'm the girlfriend and I go up to where Curtis, say I'm dating Curtis, and I go to where he's trapped in a mine and his wife is there, I'm not sure I'm going to wait around for him to come out. I'm just saying. I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if you get trapped in a mine, you get like special privileges for like a month or something. And that's totally ruined <laughs> if your spouses and your mistress are out there, right? Oh, is that is that how it works? Yeah. <laughs> so again there's like what motivates them how do they get away with it why do they continue it for so long and we do tend to trust people we fall in love and we believe what people say we, we believe what perfect strangers say you know the truth bias is a real thing so i have the new york times of january 11th 2005 a really great article i recommend reading the whole article it's called the secret lives of just about everybody it says the ability to hold a secret is fundamental to healthy social development. They say that the desire to sample other identities, to reinvent oneself, to pretend can last well into adulthood. Researchers have found that some of the same psychological skills that help many people avoid mental distress can also put them at a heightened risk for prolonged covert activities. In a very deep- Oh, sense, interesting. You don't have a self unless you have a secret. I like that. If you don't have a secret, you don't have a self, like, because your boundaries are your identity, you know, that is your assertion of who you are. And that means that you don't get to know everything about me and that I do get to have my stuff and you have your stuff, you know, that makes sense. So psychologists have long considered the ability to keep a secret as a central part of healthy development. Yes. Children as young as six or seven learn to stay quiet about their mother's birthday present. In adolescence and adulthood, affluency with small social lives is associated with good mental health, and secrecy can enhance attraction. As Oscar Wilde put it, the commonest thing is delightful if only one hides it. Oh. In one study, men and women living in Texas reported that their past relationships they continued to think about were most often secret ones. In another psychology study at Harvard, they found they could increase interaction between male and female strangers by simply encouraging them to play footsie as a part of a lab experiment. What? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I bring this up to point out like how fundamentally screwed up we are as human beings, that secrecy can enhance people's experience in relationships. So I wonder how many times people have this like unrequited love thing and they never delve into whether or not the person that they have this love towards is worth being in a relationship with. If they moved past the unrequited love aspect, they would be like, oh, this person like farts on the couch. And, and that's what it is with the cop in Texas, right? He doesn't have to deal with the realities of responsibility in a relationship. He can just be in the fun part where he proposes and the woman thinks he's amazing. There's 
there's something about the the like newness of a relationship and I, I think some people are addicted to that I think that's part of the tiger thing the descriptions of what tiger would do is he wasn't just having sex it was an emotional connection like he was emotionally involved with these women and I mean yes he was fucking them but he was also emotionally involved with them it wasn't just a yeah, see you later. He could have done that with a different woman every night, but he sustained the relationships, you know, to keep them invested. And that's, that's the part that gets you off. That's the part that is an, an emotional predator, as opposed to just like, let's have sex. And we both know this is not going to go anywhere. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of like weird things that people are looking to repeat, whether it's finding true love, the beginning stages of it, whether it's finding someone that they think is sexually pure there's a lot of weird proclivities out there yeah but the thing that like you can have your proclivities but we should both agree on that you know right right whatever your shit is let's let's consensually go do that thing but for me to have mine hide it from you and then i take something from you and then leave you stranded that's fucked up yeah i don't know i think i'm i'm probably very conventional in the sense that I don't like a lot of weird stuff because I feel like when you start getting into weird stuff, then then you just got to get weirder and weirder to sustain it. You know what I mean? There is there is actually studies that show that to be true. So yes. I'm going to just say straight out, I don't dress up in furry costumes or superheroes. Did I ever tell you that Curtis went to an insurance convention in Massachusetts and it was at the same hotel that weekend as a furry convention? No. <laughs> oh my God. He is sending me these pictures from the lobby. Oh, geez. <laughs> they are doing fur piles in the lobby. <laughs> oh, that's disgusting. Sorry. I'm being, I should wait. Should the old Sorry. lady alert? Should the purr, purr, Is it time for the. Like, is everybody but us is being furry out there? I don't think that's true. Yes. I'm not making fun of the furries. Y'all can be furries. I'm just saying, yeah. if you go to a convention for insurance agents, <laughs> in the lobby of the hotel there's furry piles it's a little bit not expected no i <laughs> goes to the bar and this poor girl behind the bar the bartender was like with her eyes like saucers <laughs> like i don't know what's happening well i've been looking at our analytics and like 10 percent of our listeners are furries so you should just pipe down a little we support furries invite us to we will be whoa you whoa. made up a song what are you gonna do if you're gonna be a furry what's your costume i'm gonna be a black cat damn it is that what you were gonna be too no but i wanted to be a cat but can't be a cat if you're gonna be a cat you know it'd be what really embarrassing if we were in a furry pile and we took off our like furry heads and we were both in the pile how gross would that be <laughs> yes how fucking awkward that would that be i know would we take off your head the in a furry pile and you see somebody you know and you're like getting humped on a furry pile and you're like becky is that you i smelled your chanel number nine and i was like the only <laughs> one i know that wears that <laughs> your white shoulders <laughs> oh my god is that still a thing <laughs> my grandma wore white shoulders is that elizabeth taylor Mm-mm. Oh, is that Chanel? That's white diamonds. Oh, what's white shoulders? Which one is that, Chanel? I don't know who makes white shoulders. I just know my grandma liked it. I don't so even know. Sorry. <laughs>
All right, back to our topic. Uh, most recently, there's a doctor called Sherry Turkle from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology who studied the use of online interactive games like Sims Online where people set up families and communities. She conducted interviews of some 200 regular and occasional users and said that many people use these games as a way to set up families they wish they had and at oh. least play out alternative versions of their lives. So I remember when that whole game came out. I don't know if you'd call it a game. It was like an internet platform where you had an avatar. What was that called? Second Live. That's what it is. Second Live. You know, where somebody could be like some S&M pimp or a drug dealer. I mean, that's- oh, I'm going to quote, I'm going to quote the office because this is one of my favorite moments of the entire office. Okay. Okay. Hit me with it. So I'm going to see if I can get it exactly right. But if I can find the clip, I'll put it on our website. So we've got Dwight Schrute and Jim okay they're talking about these kinds of games and Jim says something about how you know Second Life is a game and Dwight says Second Life is, a, is an immersive you know 3D blah 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 it's not a game there are no winners or losers and Jim goes oh there's losers <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it's John Krasinski, so he does a better job than I do, but it's, he just looks right at the game and goes, oh, there's losers. So, yes, if you are doing a second life game or some sort of immersive game, does that mean that you're less likely to have a wife and two fiancés? Is that what the, the thing is? Well, I was going to delve into more of what takes a person from just like giving political speeches in the mirror to <laughs> full on, you know. Okay. different life and the article that i was referencing before said the effect of this thing that happens in childhood where you have to like suppress your true self varies from person to person in rare cases when people are pathologically remorseless they do not care or even perceive the potential impact of a secret life on others and therefore do not feel the tension of keeping it an estimated 10% of the population are adept at ignoring and suppressing information that is embarrassing to them and thus are well-equipped to keep secrets, some psychologists say. Repressors score low on questionnaires that measure anxiety and defensiveness. They are rarely resentful, worried about money, or troubled about nightmares and headaches. They think well of themselves and do not sweat the small stuff. Although little is known about the mental development of some people, some psychologists believe that they have learned to block distressing thoughts by distracting themselves with good memories over time with practice. In effect, this may become habitual, blunting their access to potentially humiliating or threatening memories or secrets. So like perhaps our dipshit police guy grew up doing those kinds of things. And he yeah, just like he's, he's so disassociated with real life that it's not bothersome to him in the way that it would be to us. Like... For a lot of people, if they have an affair, there's a, a bit of cognitive dissonance that goes on and they struggle with it. But for some people from childhood, they've had to so suppress who they are that they've made decisions about their life that are in, incongruent with who they are and they just live with that. So how can someone like Dennis Rader have a daughter and a wife that he legitimately you don't know Dennis Rader is the bind torture kill BTK killer and no. uh, in, in Wichita 
who was an idiot enough to get himself caught after he wasn't going to ever be caught. But go ahead. Um, I mean, I think the Green River Killer also had a wife. I mean, you can get, we talked about the Golden State Killer. So a lot of these serial killers actually have wives and daughters and people that they care about. They're able to compartmentalize the other things that they're doing. So in one case, I mean, you could argue that one is worse than the other. Having an affair is probably worse than dismembering and torturing somebody. Probably. <laughs> we're not definitive on that, but we're, we're like, probably. Um, Jury's still out. Yeah. But I mean, I just think about this in my own life. I have, at least on one occasion, I've dated somebody who turns out to be gay, which I have no problem with that. Mm -hmm. You be your true self. But huh. at one point in our relationship, we were talking about being serious. Holy crap, what if I had married this guy? I think about like all these poor people, men and women, um, who get into relationships and have kids with somebody who is gay and then their whole life gets blown up. That's a secret life. And there's other things on par with that. But there's lots of people for various reasons that are compartmentalizing who they are and then putting that on other people. It's fine if you want to, let's, it was what you were talking about, which is consent. You know, if you want to pretend to start a relationship again and again, and just find a, a group of people that's cool with that, great. But if part of what gets you off is the secrecy. The secrecy, yeah. yeah. And hiding it from the person you're sleeping with and being romantic with. Yeah, that's a whole other level. So normally I don't like to cite older articles, but there was a famous paper on the subject of double lives published in 1960 by the English analyst, Dr. Donald W. Wincott. And he argued that a false self emerged in particular households where children are raised to be exquisitely tuned into the expectations of others that they become deaf to their own longings and needs. In effect, oh, that. That they, is so fucking true. they bury a part of themselves alive. Yep. And then he kind of closes with, contrary to what many people assume, quite often a secret life can bring a more lively, more intimate and energized part of themselves out of the dark. And I thought oh. about this, again, going back to my father, because when my father got a brain tumor, I told you before, he was a very quiet guy. He, he I mean, he never used profanity, none of that. When he got the brain tumor, Suddenly, he started using profanity. He started saying really, really off-color things at church and in inappropriate times. And it was just interesting to me. It was like, because he had a surgery that removed the area of his brain where the tumor was. And it was the part of his brain that controlled um, impulse control. Yes. Yeah, so the part of his brain that got removed part mm -hmm. of it was the impulse control and so suddenly wow. yeah he he had a personality transplant so i think in those instances you sort of realize there's a whole nother dimension to this person that they're suppressing yeah for whatever for whatever reason and I'm not saying, like, I'm a big proponent of the idea that you shouldn't totally be yourself all the time. Same here. But there's a degree to which you should be yourself or you're going to have a mental break. Yeah. 
I wonder though, let's say I'm not a hundred percent myself with everyone all the time. I'm not, but there's very few times in my life that I repress saying things that are now that I don't teach, there's very few times in my life that I repress my urge to use curse words and profanity. So I wonder if, like, what would happen if that part of my brain was removed? I already use profanity, ex like, almost exclusively anyway. Like, what, what's going to be released? What horrible things are in there that are going to be released when the impulse control is removed, you know? No, that's a good point. I would think, because I'm, I'm like a completely emotionally closed off and sensitive person I think I would probably just like be telling everyone I love them and like a drunk girl <laughs> at the bar. yeah yeah actually that's what happens to me when I get really drunk I I don't know if you did I do that with you did I do the I love you thing I do that I don't remember yeah it wasn't that impactful I just remember <laughs> when I was living in the compound with the um, other people on the speech team we would drink and get really drunk and then we would play board games or do something or whatever and I would go around the room and I'd be like I love you I love you I love you but there was one person in the room that I would skip every time <laughs> and it, it happened enough that that person confronted me about it <laughs> I bet she did because because alcohol does suppress your inhibitions I mean, it's like, it's like our meeting when I said, oh, I was nervous about meeting you because people said you were a bleep. The, you know. the exact quote is, I'm glad to know you're not a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I made sure to prove to you that that sentence was not correct after that. <laughs> How? Now, in my defense, this was after we spent two hours bonding and I felt yeah, really, no, we, we really, really hurt. We connected hard, I think. I know. Yeah, yeah. And you thought you were saying something nice. I did. That's what I'm that's what I'm telling you. That's what I'm telling you. This is what would happen if I had a brain tumor. <laughs> you have bad skin. Oh. <laughs> I made that joke before, which is a Margaret Cho joke. Anyway, so I I found a psychology today article that I thought you might be interested in the, the article is called is your partner a liar and it definitely oh. gives you signs to look for which i think people know the signs to look for so it's not really that important yeah but what i thought was interesting is it said a number of secret lives have their origins in real psychiatric disorders anorexics and bulimics live secret lives as do people with bipolar disorder treatments can really help on the other hand many people with personality disorders such as narcissistic personality and antisocial personalities can live this way without end people who are on that end of the spectrum with narcissist narcissistic personality disorder borderline personality disorder you know getting close to sociopathy the problem is they're, they are on that end of the spectrum, very unlikely to recognize they need help, much less seek it, much less get any benefit from it. There are some drugs that have been proven, some antidepressants can adjust some of that, but it's so rare that this person would seek help. And even if it's say court ordered, <laughs> they're not gonna present their real authentic self in order to get help and to move on to be happier or to be more content or whatever it is. 
So let's take it to the extreme, like Chris Watts and Scott Peterson. You know, you're living this super secret life. And it's not like you're living a secret life where your girlfriend knows, but your wife doesn't. I mean, neither one of them knows. And so at some point, your world is going to collide. And so for some people who live on that end of the spectrum of personality disorders, narcissism, et cetera, onto psychopathy, then all of a sudden things like murder become rational options to get yourself out of this situation rather than just saying, you know what, Amber? Scott Peterson's girlfriend's name. I have a wife and she's pregnant. You know, that was not going to be an option for him. That's not something that would enter his consciousness to ever even pursue. That was why I said, like, this guy over here, what was your plan? You panhandle cop, you dipshit. What were you going to do down there in Texas with your Kansas girlfriend and your Lubbock girlfriend or whatever? What was your long-term plan? You're going to kill your wife. You're going to not marry her. You're going to marry her, you know, but part of the indicators of personality disorders you don't see past tomorrow or next week or whatever you know for some people it's like (laughs) what's right in front of them is all that matters so i want to be clear here i'm about to say something but i'm i'm not going to say you should blow up your life what i would say is we don't live in the 1950s anymore so if you made a mistake in your relationship if you made a mistake in your marriage or choices that you've made you're not committed to that You can make a change. Now, if you have children or you're supporting someone, you do have obligations that you have to meet. But I mean, obviously, if you still love your spouse or you still love the person that you're with and you want to try to work it out, then then take actual steps to work it out. But beyond that, if it's not working, you don't have to murder someone. You don't have to kill yourself. The, The dramatic actions are not necessary. It's just, you take measures to sensitively move on. That's the way to go. If you- but people don't. It's so crazy. If you watch any murder show, it's, I could have divorced her and said I killed her. Why? Yeah. Like, it's so, the decision-making is just, ugh, you know? Yeah. Like, just leave her. Oh, well, she couldn't get t- custody. Okay, but if she gets custody, you still get to see your kids. Oh, I didn't want to pay alimony. I'm sorry, line forms to the left of people who don't want to pay alimony. It sucks. But murder? Ugh. Yeah. But I have no advice for people who the thrill of the secret life is deceiving someone. If your whole thing is having a secret and deceiving someone, then that is narcissistic personality disorder or something else, and it can't be helped. So then the advice really needs to be for the other person and men are notorious for this for whatever reason they cannot be alone so a man has his spouse die or divorces and nine times out of ten they marry within six months to a year it's crazy i know so many stories of guys that were in seven-year relationships they break up and immediately become engaged to someone else Guys, come on, just spend a little time dating. Girls too, you gotta like get to know somebody. Two weeks, six months, it's not enough time. I I think if you meet someone and they propose to you with, because I think in that case we're talking about with the cop, they'd known each other for like two weeks and they got engaged or something like that. It was- 
But so here's my little advice to women. Let me tell you this. You ready for this? Tell me. I'm ready? I'm ready. I'm giving I'm giving her the double guns. I'm giving her Hold the on. double guns. I'm ready, ready for ready? it to wash over me. Give me a second. All right, now I'm ready. Okay. okay drink your drink and then we're gonna I want this advice because I'm I'm ready for it. Well, you're you're married, you're not gonna have it happen. Okay. But the number one indicator of whether or not a man is a future abuser is that he accelerates the pace of the relationship and declares his love and or devotion and proposes to you very, very quickly. Now, it is also an indicator of the fact that he's already in a relationship or is already married. And I'm not just saying that the two of you fall in love and both of you are on the same page. I'm saying like you go to the, your third date and he proposes marriage and you're thinking that all you're gonna decide to do is whether or not have him upstairs for drinks. And he's already saying you're the love of his life. Ladies and ladies, <laughs> ladies, if it's not mutual, it's one of two things. It's that he's already in a relationship or married or he's a future abuser and he wants to nab you before his real colors come out. Yes, and if a guy is in a relationship, it's a non-starter. It should just be a non-starter. Like, don't date a married guy. Don't date a guy that has a girlfriend. And don't date them until you're sure they're not in a relationship. I'm going to caveat that. If the relationship is over, and I mean demonstrably over, not just a fake annulment thing, because there are some women and men who drag divorces out for years and years. Okay. And so you see what I'm saying? So I'm just saying like, there's a, there is that situation where because it is not like, think about Angelina Jolie. <laughs> I've brought her up again. I can't believe it. How many years has she been divorcing? You know, so like because the divorce is dragging out doesn't mean that they're not single. So there's a, you know, but don't take somebody's word for it. Investigate, see what's really going on. You know, I'm all for your caveats, but I'm actually going to disagree with you on this one. I so if somebody's, if somebody's spouse is taking years to sign papers, they don't get to date? They can date all they want. I'm just saying for you, maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe you should just find someone else. I'm saying like, there's so many fish in the sea. Why do you want to start a relationship with someone that's already like embroiled in some bullshit? That's all. Oh, okay. Well then, yeah. But if, if you go in there with your eyes wide open, then you have to understand what you're dealing with, with the ex, you know, but sure. Because then that renders somebody a slave to their ex who gets to keep them single forever, which I think is fucked up as fuck. So. No, no, I think that's wrong. But I'm just saying, don't be Pollyanna. That's all I'm saying. Don't be Paul. Yeah, but you know what you're signing up for. Yes, yeah. you got to know what you're signing up yeah, for. So, sure. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, yeah, yeah. tell girlfriends of mine, if they're just in the beginning stages of a relationship and they're already on the rocks, they're already having problems, that's a red flag. Remember how you had somebody who was critiquing our show and saying they liked it, but they wanted us to disagree more? Mm -hmm. I think you got what you wanted. <laughs> oh, the fact that we just disagreed. <laughs> For some reason, though, I feel like when when we disagree, I'm always like the curmudgeon. I don't think that's curmudgeon-y. Yeah. I think we should actually buy some sort of sound effect for when we say judgmental things. Okay, I'll put that on my list. That we can just press the, the button. The show turned out to be about 15 things that I didn't know it was going to be about. Well, it's, it's about secret lives. Secret right? lives, and now it's about a divorced person having kids and custody disputes. and <laughs> uh, uh, It got crazy today. I don't know. Well, as I said during our dating episode, if you like meandering podcasts, if that's comforting to you. 
this one, <laughs> this episode is if you just like want to that. hear two random people sitting around yammering about their shit and drinking wine, then all right. This, this episode is, is like a salve to you. It will soothe your COVID self. <laughs> That's what it will do. Um, all right. Well, we've established that we have no lives, but we're very curious about people who have secret lives, especially during coronavirus. And yeah, man. Hey, I don't salute what you did, bro, but at least you have the balls to do it. <laughs> yeah. The fact that you can have three fiancés and a wife during coronavirus well remember when uh tiger king came out in the beginning of corona and everybody was everybody was obsessed did you yeah. watch it of course yeah i did of course yeah so one of my favorite tweets about it was tiger guy what's his name joe Joe exotic exotic oh joe exotic yeah one of my favorite tweets was joe exotic gets two straight men to marry him and i can't get one to take me on a date <laughs> <laughs> that's great I well, I don't know if this whole like Mrs. Maisel uh, blackout I had is going to be in this episode, but this is an actual fear of mine. Okay. So my mom at some point got to a point where she would tell stories and fucking forget her story and then just pause for a long time and could never get back to it. And now I'm doing this and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. My fear of, I do have a point for this. Good so- day. I think we should have a, a segment on our show because I keep telling you stories and then forgetting where I'm going with it. We should have a segment in our secret um, content where if people can actually spur me on to remembering what I'm trying to say, <laughs> that we like give a prize or something. Oh, yes, we should do that. Have you looked at our secret content? Have you looked at their page? Oh, yeah, it's life changing. Of course I have. With Walter. Have you really not looked? Of course I have, Becky. So the website, the Instagram we're talking about, let's talk about this. Let's Go to it. our Instagram, please, listeners. I just put up a little um, GIF GIF. What the fuck is it? GIF? I call it a GIF. Okay, GIF, it a GIF. It's a GIF, and it's mine. I created it from scratch. Um, and I'm going to try and do more of those little things that are not just like promoting our show. But anyway, so our Instagram is now fear this podcast. Our website is fearthispodcast.com. Um, go to Apple podcasts, give us five stars, please. Please write us reviews. We can read. We keep forgetting to do that. Yeah, we, we, we need do more that reviews. next week. There's more. Yeah. And also Becky is a perfectionist. I'm fine with four or 4.5 stars. So that's okay with me. Fuck that. Five stars. Shut up. Um, <laughs> I disagree with that. See, now we're disagreeing a lot. Justin, <laughs> my friend Justin, this is a shout out for you, Becky and okay, I. Okay, Justin. We're we just disagreed. You better write us a motherfucking review and give us five stars. <laughs> five stars. Uh, if you like a conflict between a brunette and a blonde, where they like smack <laughs> each other around, it's happening right now. <laughs> Oh, uh, what else is there? Oh, if you subscribe on our website, guess what will happen? You will get a password to life-changing content, exclusive mm-hmm. audio, bonus stuff, picture of Walter that I absolutely love, mm-hmm. that is terrifying and will keep you up at night. <laughs> life-changing content. Yeah. Okay. I have found personally, even though I've been questioned by my podcast about whether or not I've actually looked at this content, <laughs> I found the content life-changing 
in my actual observation of it. All right. We will see y'all next time. See you next time. Later. Later.